It's 6 a.m. Rise and Shine. Let's talk sports and welcome to The Grind. And good Tuesday to you, and welcome inside the WKVL studios of Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser alongside Jeff McIntyre as we grind it out here on a Tuesday edition. Jeff, welcome in. It's uh, it's not raining. It's uh, a little chilly, but it's a uh, it's hoodie and shorts weather, which may be my favorite time of year. Yeah, this is a good time. Which Jeff's from West Virginia. This is t-shirt and shorts <laughs> weather, but yes, um, that's true. <laughs> but anyway, Jeff. Uh, a little bit of topics here, you know. We're gonna we're gonna dive in. You know, Boone and I kind of touched on a little bit of Last Dance, but I saved it for today, uh, really because I wanted to. You you hadn't seen any of it until this this past weekend, yeah. And so I really wanted to kind of dig in on on what you thought about that, and, and then uh, and then what's what you got out of episode three and four. But man, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm. Hey, I've gotten a lot of comments about our, our Facebook Live, our little Zoom deal, and they they you're the focal point. I'll give you that. <laughs> uh, it, it's uh, it's like when you guys started, Jeff had a lot of clothes on, and then like five minutes later, not so much. And I went, yeah, he peeled off, I think, uh, a, a few layers. Yeah, it was a blizzard in there to begin with, and then I realized <laughs> Pittsburgh didn't have a first-round pick, and I was like, oh, I got to take all this crap off. <laughs> I know, right? Well, especially with modern heat and air. Yeah. Like uh, that sweater – you had a well, you had a jersey. You had a, uh, a what do you call it? The scarf. Scarf. I don't know why. I'm like lanyard, lanyard scarf. You had a scarf. You had a beanie. You you had eye black, which the eye black stuck around. But that that I felt like was next level. Like that was awesome. Hey, we had to prep. Like I thought I was good because I had you know I had situational hats. I had you know first round Tennessee player hat. Didn't get to use that one. Uh, <laughs> I had uh, I had the grind hat and then I had the Broncos hat. Got to use two of them. Hey, we were ready. We were oh, set. I thought it was pretty good. Hey, 300, I think now, it was 330 the night of, but by now we're, we're, we're over 400. I know that's not a lot for things that go viral and whatever, but for me, that's that's kind of cool. It was fun. We had a good time. Absolutely. Hopefully people had a lot, a lot of fun watching it too. Well, and the thing is, I thought, and, and we didn't really put this together in this way, but we had a dynamic that was pretty interesting. We had a Titans fan. Yeah. We had a Steelers fan, a Cowboys fan, a Colts fan. Sometimes um, we had. Who else did we have? And you, Broncos fan. Broncos fan. Is that it? I thought we had five, like all the time. Chris Hips. He's a Carolina Panthers. Yeah. Fan. Yeah, hippies. But uh, I thought that was pretty cool because it wasn't like it was a bunch of Titans fans. It no, wasn't no, a bunch we, of. I mean, we this, had a little bit of everybody. We were diverse. Yeah, we were very diverse. But uh, we we had a lot of sidebar conversations. It was <laughs> I, I don't know if that shocked anybody. It didn't shock me. It at didn't all. shock me at all, at all. But hey, sidebars are good. I mean, it's side and it's bar. yeah. In between the pick is in, and then ten minutes later you hear it. Yeah, I don't know what got more more play uh, the the VFL conversation, which I thought was a really good one, and I love I love where it went. Or the fact that we kept giving Roger Goodell a hard time for leaving the lid off the candy jar. Oh, geez, that was a mess. But he ate that whole jar, like, every night. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, that was one thing that I noticed. Because you, I, it shouldn't have been. It should have just been his candy jar with the social distancing rules. He should not have been sharing. No. And well, unless they had gloves on. I think Mike McCarthy might have snuck in there and got a few. <laughs> what was <laughs> the two funniest things? And this is this is terrible on on me, I guess. But the two funny things was was it you that said did Mike McCarthy eat their first round? Yeah, that was me. And then mine about the couch. That was really funny. That actually took some tread. Like it, it went on and 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 grew oh, legs geez. and made a meme. Like I didn't do it, but I I liked it. So yeah, that was funny. I think it's I think it's a thing. I mean, you know, you you always look and you you see that uh, the well payload. You're like, I wonder if that that is like the limit or is that like a starting point and. That couch got tested. Ben, but don't break. Yeah. Way to go, yeah. couch. Yeah, right. It's like it's like that's why they put those two bracing legs in the middle. <laughs> yeah. But uh but anyway. Uh last dance. So episodes three and four aired this past Sunday night. And of course, through the week, as we don't have sports, they kind of air them again on ESPN two, or you can get them on the app or or different things. But episode three was about Rodman. Episode four was about Phil Jackson. Um Kind of takeaways, I guess you can start from from go. Like, what what is this whole thing kind of unfolding for you? And then then what did you see out of three and four? So th- this this was the basketball that I kind of grew up with. Um, was watching the Bulls in the nineties, and, and I wasn't a huge fan of the NBA. I'm still not, but it was it was what was on, and it was fun to watch. And it was it was these guys, you know. And so, you know, watching this series, especially through episodes one, one and two, where you see the Jordan and the Pippen, I just didn't know what all was going on behind the scenes. Again, at that age, I'm just, oh, that's the Bulls. They just play on the Bulls team. Like, I played on the Orange team. They play on the Bulls team. And that was just how it went. And so then you start seeing there's contract problems. There's issues behind the scenes. And you're like, okay. Then you start hearing some of the language that they're using. And you're like, oh, okay. This was, this is, this is how they feel. You know what? Yeah. And it was like aggressive. Uh, but here was the thing that, that kind of, I don't know, it validated a little bit of our generation. And I say our generation. How old are you, Jeff? 35. Okay, so we're not that far apart. I'll be 33 this year. So, um, but what I say about that is, is I, I just you know the Antonio Browns, the the the, and I don't mean to keep naming Steelers, but all these guys <laughs> that hold out and don't, and and Le'Veon Bell that that hold out, don't don't sign a contract or do things that that hold out Zeke, you know, all those different players. That's what Scottie Pippen did. And he did it twenty years ago. Yeah, you know. So I, I guess what I'm saying is, is it, is it that our generation's a whole lot different, or is it just the volume of which we do it in? It's is different. It's the way that information can get out. there. Well, and that's the thing too. Yeah, you didn't have people going. No, I can't believe Scotty's doing that on Facebook. Oh yeah, my you, you, you probably a lot of people probably never had a clue unless they watched the game, and the everybody and the, in Chicago knew. He well, well yeah, <laughs> and he rolled into that kind of hold out from an injury so oh yeah he really just timed a surgery really yeah and so for him yes it was a hold out but it was prefaced with it with the surgery and an injury and so you probably have a large portion that are thinking oh he's just out from that surgery and not oh yeah the the token player never knew 
Yeah, and so you look at that and you're like, wow, this was going on then, but it's it's just the social, the social media aspect of it. I mean, nobody probably had a clue. He was social distancing before it was cool. Exactly, <laughs> exactly right. But but so anyway, so your take on on episode one and two because it's a little bit of early Michael, it's a little bit of Scotty Pippen. Uh, is just the, it exposed some things you didn't understand. Absolutely. So, so I'm I'm like you. I'm I'm not a huge NBA fan. You know I like watching the the greats. I, you know I like watching those that that they you know coin in those those eras. And I like watching the big games. You know, of course, I was always going to like the the you, you know the Spurs and the and the Warriors here the last few years. You know, I always liked it when it was the Cavaliers and the Spurs or the Cavaliers and the Warriors. You know, I always liked it when you know, I'm trying to think of other big matchups. Really, the Celtics and 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 Lakers and different things like that. I watch those rivalry games, but I'm not like a a locked in every time they hit the court NBA fan. No. And I don't know what that says, but that's what it is. That's where I'm at. But uh, but this has really exposed a lot for me as far as just some persona, because again, I, I think Michael Jordan is is one of the greatest to, to ever play the game. And, and a lot of times, I think Jason Ward says it best. You know, some days Bird's the best, some days Magic's the best, but most days Jordan's the best. And yeah. and I can I can I can get on that train. That's totally fine. But it's exposing a little bit of how that persona was built because you know when he was finishing his run with the Bulls '98, I was 11. I mean, kind of like you said, my my conversation of of Michael Jordan wasn't that. I had no concept that he went to the Bulls when they were bad. I had no concept of him building it back. I had no concept of, of like that the Rodman came from Detroit. That you know what I'm saying. I had no. Oh well, those are just the five guys they put together. Like that's that's their that's their Maryville Little League. That's their exactly. their whatever. Exactly. And so I didn't understand the dynamic. You know what I'm saying? Like where they traded Charles Oakley and got uh, uh, Cartwright. You know, all of those pieces that, that kind of made them great and made them tough there in the end uh, really came through some attrition and su- through some toughness. But, um, you know, I think one of the bigger surprises, and we'll talk a little bit more about it later on, um, Rodman wasn't always weird. No. Like, uh, you know, there there was a time where he was almost he was almost awkwardly shy. Which yes. uh, kind of seemed weird. Which that's the vibe I got, also. Which you know, it, it, it's funny how uh, if you look through through time, and you know, and I'm not lotting these people together because they're all whatevers, but it seems like they went down the same path. Like Marilyn Manson, um, you know, Ro- Dennis Rodman. Uh, think of another outlandish person. Anybody you can think of. Uh, where do, where does that story start? A rough childhood. Yeah. And and I didn't understand that. I mean, you kind of have uh, feelings, you know. The Dennis Rodman, again, that I know is, yes, finishing with the Bulls, but I more know him for, for marrying Carmen Electra in a wedding dress. I'll, I, I remember him more for dating Madonna. And, and you know, there, there's all those pop culture uh, things that he's done, the, the you know, best buds with North Korea. <laughs> you know, that's his, his most recent. But, um looking at where he came from and what he was doing and and that he honestly probably made his name in Detroit and then just rode it out in 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 Chicago 
there was a lot of that that I didn't understand. I knew he was probably wild and crazy, but I didn't understand, you know, like, uh, you know, took a week vacation in the middle of the season. Kind of weird, but... uh, That was so funny when I saw that. And and the thing is, is that would never happen today. No. They could do that because the only person they had to really corral was the local newspaper. Right. And the TV station. And they they could walk it away by... Oh, he's just stepping away personal issues. That's not going to fly now because no. there's going to be a person, you know, that video. Somebody that, will be in Vegas finding him every day well, like, oh, here's his personal issues. Well, and the video of him on that motorcycle and whatever would have been plastered all over oh, ESPN. Yeah. So it's just a different day and time. But but Rodman um, Rodman is a guy who it, it is great in his own right. I mean, you look at, at the numbers. I mean, he's one of the – you know, a lot of those those guys, and I'm pretty sure they didn't get together and make sure they said the same things, said best on-ball defender they've ever seen. Yeah. And, and granted, you know why he was the best on-ball defender? He didn't care. No. He didn't care what he looked like, what people's perception was. If he was going to be called a bad boy, it's because he was doing his job. It wasn't because, you know, he just didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings. No. And so you got to love that as a player. But then the the the, the dynamic, like I'm I'm not sure that – you know, Pat Riley, uh, you know, John Wooden, any great basketball coach you can think of could have handled him like Phil Jackson and Michael Jordan. Those two really uh, did a did a job. You know, there's a lot of people that said if it wasn't for Michael Jordan, Dennis Rodman would be in jail. I could see that. And, and I think there's a little bit of mutual respect that was early on built there, and, and it just kind of flowed over and, and kind of worked out in their favor. But I just – that whole volatile situation, I mean, that's that's one of those that could have boiled over. You know, you, you, he could have went to Vegas and never come back, if that makes sense. I think and, that's what Jordan thought was going to happen. Well, And yeah. to a certain degree, it did. Well, I mean, they had to go get him. Yeah. I, you imagine that the, the Carmen Electra, when she opens that door and there's Michael Jordan. I mean, I get it. It's, it's not – well, I guess it was. I mean, at the hop of it. I mean, it was every bit of he's Michael Jordan. I mean, oh, it'd yeah. be it'd be like no different than you know walking to a clubhouse and oh, Tiger Woods picking up his golf cart. Yeah, you know it's it's that level. And when you're it's early morning, knock knock knock, and there's MJ. I'm sure with full you know little, you know whatever the little beret was he wore all the time, and he's like, "Where's Dennis?" Like oh, yeah. stuff got real. You're in trouble. And I'm pretty sure with the language he put on camera. It was probably some really colorful stuff coming off camera. I think so, but yeah, I, that that episode really kind of threw me. And then for for the Phil Jackson side, did you know he was that Bill Walton esque? I didn't know he played. <laughs> like and I then, knew he played because he's just a monster. He played. And then he's I huge. didn't know that he was that tall. Oh really? Nope. No clue. I thought he was just a normal six foot dude. And then they're showing, you know, images of him playing and it looks like Bob Ross playing basketball. <laughs> and then <laughs> That's awesome. We we they start showing pictures of him just standing beside people. I'm like, this guy's enormous. I thought it was so funny, like back in, in like probably the late nineties, early two thousands, David Stern was still the 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 commish and he's like four nine. And there would be times where, where they're talking. And they started, because they kept making fun of the pictures, they started just sitting on the bench and talking. I could see that. Because <laughs> yeah. it was just like, it was literally, uh, I don't know, big and little Linus looking, you know, conversation there. But I didn't know, like he always, in the stuff I'd seen, of course he was a coach, 
and he was always suited up. He was always with the Bulls late and then with the Lakers. Uh, and, and so I always saw him as I always saw him as a coach and a clean cut, like very disciplinarian looking dude. Maybe not so much no. early on. Like he was very and when I say Bill Walton esque, it's not to trash Bill Walton. It's just Bill Walton has very much embraced the seventies and like lives there. And uh and looks like early on with uh interviews and different things, he'd just roll in there with jeans and a and a half button button down shirt and he's ready to rock. I think there was one picture of Phil Jackson where he was wearing like jean overalls in front of a bicycle or something with no shirt on. <laughs> And yeah. I mean, he and it was like, wow, I've never seen that version of him. <laughs> yeah, and, and you don't, and you don't get it now with the way he interviews. You know, like he's sitting at his house right now, which they interviewed him pretty well. Like even, even how they, you know, videoed him or whatever, he still looks huge. Oh yeah, like he's a big dude. But I, I thought, you know, I always thought Phil Jackson was an innovator, and that, and that's another, that's another sidebar piece for for. Uh, my conversation, but uh, Phil Jackson just being who he is. Mm. But uh, but I thought that was a, an interesting dynamic. I thought it was really odd how uh, you, you know uh, it, Jerry Krause, the the GM for the Bulls. It's never ceasing to amaze me how he knows how to rip carpet out from under people. Right now, I, through episodes four, Jerry Krause is the elephant in the room. And I'm, I'm. They're painting him right. He's Vader, okay. Well, see, but the problem is, is Vader's putting putting the puzzle together. Yes, because Vader, like I, and and we'll never know. We'll never know. And I think I think Collins. What was his name? What was his first name? Greg Collins. I can't remember. But the the coach that was before Phil Jackson. Oh yeah, I can't remember his first name. But but what we never we'll never know if the greatness would have came. With Collins, but I mean Jerry Krause is the one that said, "Hey, I know Michael's winning scoring titles. I know he's winning Defensive Players of the Year. I know he's winning this and this and this." But you're just not good enough. We're going to cut you and we're going to put Phil in, and it changed the game. Yeah, yeah I, I, I don't think at all that he early on made bad decisions. I think it was. I think his, he made a bad one to cut Phil Jackson loose there at the '98 season. Oh yeah, yeah, well that's why I say early on because he made piece he made moves to get the pieces in place. His his timing and his tact are terrible, and but you can't you can't deny what he made is fantastic. But the problem is he wasn't winning any popularity contests. Any interview you watched him with the players or, or the candid videos, he was trying to inject himself in and be part of the, the team, but they didn't see him that way. They saw him as, sit down, Jerry, come on. When he was dancing on the yes. plane, that was so they, they 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 just they didn't want him around, but they knew he had to be around. Right. And Well, and I think that, that all stems from the whole Michael situation when he broke his leg early on. And they were kind of tanking for a good draft spot. From that point on, the front office and Michael had some beef. And yeah. and quite frankly, I think from about what about eighty six on, if Michael had beef, everybody had beef. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I think you know it, it's kind of like today. If you go to L A, you're not going to 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 be uh, teammates with uh, you know insert player name here. You're going because that's LeBron's team. Yep. You know you didn't go to Miami to play with. Uh, 
you know, albeit that I love him, but you didn't go play with Josh Richardson. No. You went to play with Dwayne Wade. Uh, you know, there's different places that you go. You didn't go, uh, you, you know, to, to Boston to play with, with anybody but, you know, Ray Allen, Kevin Garnett, and Paul Pierce. You know, so there's there's those people that lead teams, and, I, and Jordan was by far and away – that guy in in Chicago, and he didn't much care for Jerry, so I, I'd say nobody else did either. No, uh, but 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 like I said, you know, the method for the madness, you know, you kind of take the good with the bad. He he also is the guy who who shifted some things and got those tough players, pulled Rodman from from Detroit, you know, pulled Harper from Detroit, you know, all those pieces that that were beating you, and and, and not that you were if you can't beat them, join them kind of thing. But you you took advantage of some opportunities when they became free agents. I, I'm very interested to see throughout because we got what six episodes left. Mm-hmm. How how they keep portraying that front office because there I I see that they are setting it up to be like okay they're they're the villain and, and that's how they're setting it up. Well, this is this is the MJ's docu series, so they're gonna be yeah they're gonna be. He wasn't a big fan from from word jump, but uh, so I. I'm I'm all in. I'm I'm loving what I'm seeing, and now I'm still, you know, I'll still say that the debate is still on with me. Uh, I think I think MJ's greatness is just showing. I never doubted it, uh, but at the same rate, uh, I, it's even more driving that wedge that the brand of basketball from then and today is so much different. Yep. Uh, the the <laughs> the 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 Pistons Bulls series, the you know whatever you want to look at it, the the. The Lambeers, the the Oakleys, the all of those enforcer guys, the the rules for Jordan, uh, that's that's a thing, and uh, and it's one of those uh, things that went across uh, all all the all the games, all the decades. So the Jordan rule, okay, we, we saw that episode. Uh-huh. You watched that. They were purposely putting him on the floor. Uh-huh. How much different is it than the uh, the Saints deal? Where oh the head hunting yeah I think it's a uh, a statute of limitations I mean deal. but essentially it is absolutely no different no it's totally head hunting and I mean if Jordan had got hurt seriously I mean that that's the exact same thing oh absolutely absolutely but it's different strokes for different folks yeah. you know what I'm saying and and again it was so long ago I don't think they could go back and retro no correct but but at the same rate if this would have came out two years out of you know two, the year 2000 absolutely this is Greg Williams all over again yep but uh but anyway I, I'm I'm loving what I'm seeing though this is this is shedding light on a on a on a time in basketball where it was it was the Bulls and everybody else, and they they fought with the Pistons, overcame the Pistons there in episode, I guess four, and uh, and you know the dynasty is going to be built here in the next six episodes. So we'll we'll see a lot of that, and I love how they're going back and forth, and really it kind of gives you grassroots reasons why they are who they are, and then then of course paints the picture of what they did while they were in Chicago. But let's take us a break, listen to these great sponsors. When we come back, we're going to go to the draft. As, as Jeffy was a big Steelers fan, we're <laughs> going to kind of dictate how he feels like they did, who was some winners, some losers, and then, of course, move on into start bench cut. We'll do that on the flip. You're listening to The Grind, 100.9 FM, 8.50 AM, and streaming at WKVL.com, Rocky Top Sports. We'll be right back.
hometown alternative to ordinary sports radio 100.9 fm 850 am rocky top sports Buying a home is one of the biggest financial decisions you will ever make, and it can be overwhelming, but Donna Cry at Mortgage Investors Group is committed to making your home buying experience a pleasure. Donna Cry is my personal home mortgage specialist. MIG is rated number one in residential mortgage lenders in Tennessee. Are you considering a new home? Then use who I trust, Donna Cry with Mortgage Investors Group in Maryville. Whether you're buying your first home or your fifth, Donna will help you put your home ownership plans into action. Call Donna at 865-984-9948 or go to DonnaCry.com. MIG is an equal housing lender. Rural Americans are the heartbeat of the nation. Work goes on at our farms, at our factories, and at our homes. Rural King is working hard to keep that heartbeat going by providing the essential items you need to feed your families, your pets and animals, and yes, the nation. We are partnering with the government to ensure Rural King is a clean space for our associates and our customers. So together, we can keep the heartbeat of the nation pumping. God bless you from your friends at Rule King, America's farm and home store. Are you looking for a place to relax and have fun after work or a place to fill the weekend fun? Check out the Party Pub in the heart of Maryville. They open at 7.30 a.m. and have daily drink specials. They have darts, karaoke, and billiards daily, as well as Tennessee football each and every Big Orange Saturday in the fall. So check out the Party Pub on Ellis Avenue in downtown Maryville, a place where they treat you like family, and it's always a good time. A public service announcement from Knox Area Rescue Ministries and your friends at Blunt Broadcasting Corporation. During the Safer at Home order, Knox Area Rescue Ministries has continued to provide a home to those without one. It's shown why CARM is an essential business in our community. CARM Stores was recently designated as an essential business as well. Carm Stores, thank you for your previous support and are excited to announce the reopening of donation centers and stores. As we resume receiving your generous donations, we recognize that business might not be completely as usual. We will continue to monitor guidelines from local officials and practice safe social distancing recommendations. We appreciate your continued support of Knox Area Rescue Ministries and Carm Stores as we remain dedicated to serving the homeless needy, and vulnerable during this time. A public service announcement from Knox Area Rescue Ministries and your friends at Blunt Broadcasting Corporation. This is Wayne Kaiser, host of Rocky Top Sports, sports radio show, The Grind. If you're looking for a way to catch The Grind, not in its normal programming, if you can't make that six to seven hour, check it out online, thegrindonsports.com. It's the hub for everything The Grind. We've got Twitter feed, Facebook feed, and of course, SoundCloud. If you miss a show, you don't have to miss it forever. Check it out online, thegrindonsports.com. That's thegrindonsports.com. We don't always promise to be perfect, but we promise to give you our honest opinion. This is sports radio from a fan's perspective. You're listening to The Grind on 100.9 FM, 8.50 AM, Rocky Top Sports. And welcome back inside the WKVL studios of Rocky Top Sports. 
I'm Wayne Kaiser alongside Jeff McIntyre as we grind it out here on a Tuesday edition. Jeff, real quick, kind of, again, stepping into the uh, to the draft a little bit. Your Steelers, I didn't think had a bad draft. I, I thought, you know, it, it was interesting that they didn't take a quarterback. I think I think that we're, they're, we're getting in a, into an era where they've got to keep trying to find that next big bend, uh, and, and they didn't do that. Do you think they're going to do it in free agency? Or, or I guess uh, – I. Yeah, they're not going to address long term in free agency. I think that it's possible that they will address what happened last year for this year with free agency. And and what I mean is they'll bring in somebody who is a veteran to be the backup. That way, if Ben goes down game one again, um, we have somebody back there that can actually play ball and not lose us games. Because last year we had a world-class defense, but we couldn't score a point to save our lives. So you, are you leaning towards uh, Andy Dalton? I I don't know. The problem I'm hearing with Andy Dalton is that, it is that he may be too expensive, and he may want starter money to be a backup. So And Pittsburgh won't do that. So I, I hope for Andy Dalton. I'd be okay with Joe Flacco, but I'd – there, there's a few Steelers pages where there are like Cam hopefuls, like yeah, Pittsburgh needs to take Cam, and I'm like, no, that would be a horrible, it's just horrible a bad fit. It would be a terrible fit. That we don't like people that put themselves ahead of the team, and that's exactly what he would do. He, it's, it's the Cam show, and we don't that it would be a bad fit. Cam and, needs to go to like Washington. Yes, he could back up Haskins. Yeah. Um, as far as the Maybe draft, out I was him. surprised we didn't take a quarterback. That really surprised me. And I, I, I in the next in what rounds three, four, and then even after that, I I paid really close attention to see where Fromm and Eason went. I mean, and they fell. And if you looked at the Mel Kuyper's next best or whoever the other guy was, it kept listing Fromm as best available, best available, best available. From second round on, he was listed as best available, and he didn't go until, what, round like five or five. six? Five. Yeah, Eason went in four, and, and Fromm went in five. Uh, I thought it was interesting that, that Eason went first. Uh, I didn't and, see and that he's, either. And he's the guy that, that got booted for Fromm at Georgia. And that was everybody's comment. Oh, he couldn't get the starting job from Fromm, so he's definitely going to get drafted after him. Didn't happen no. that way. Well, he's it. he's got the body type. Honestly, exactly. Fromm, Fromm's height, Fromm's arm strength, there's a lot of reasons. Fromm's a winner. I mean, I think he can go places and be a Tyrod Taylor. He can be a guy who's going to win you some football sure. games. Uh, but he's not going to be a franchise guy. And, well, And he may prove me wrong. I mean, he could be a Derek Carr. How many people would have beat out Joe Burrow his – that junior year, yeah, who, who I mean, everybody would have everybody. beat him out, but then you have that next season where I don't think anybody would have beat him. Yeah, out. it's it's that dynamic, that relationship, quarterback coach slash offensive coordinator to a quarterback, exactly uh, that that makes the difference. Honestly, if uh, if if there was a way for it to happen for for the Panthers to move from seven to one, they would have done it. I think so. It, no, no question about it. I don't care. You got Teddy Bridgewater. I don't care if you have a whole bridge of water. <laughs> uh, they would have went and got Joe Burrow because Joe Brady would have instantly had him ready to play. Yep, they'd have had a checkdown monster. They'd have had a, a guy that could really ease himself into to the league. But the problem was is they were going to have to give up the farm. And honestly, uh, there was a lot of people going to stand in the way of of reuniting 
that that level of a relationship. So, uh, but anyway, uh, I thought I, I thought it was it was a really interesting draft. I, I really enjoyed it. You know, honestly, I watch all the drafts from my house, so it was funny to see everybody being at their house. Yeah, and uh, Roger Goodell just trying to be cool. Like he got so oh, close to that, that TV so, so many times. I'm well, like, I, I think f- he thinks it's a portal. And I finally understand what was going on. There was a tablet down to the bottom right of the TV that he was looking at, and that was what he was talking into. So for him, the TV was oblivious. Oh, he was. It was more to communicate, not yes. necessarily to be. And face so to face. It, it, after the third or fourth joke where we were making fun of him about it, I happened to notice what he was actually looking at, and it, there there was a tablet there. So. But it still didn't make it look any better. He should have just taken it away from the TV or faced it a different way or something. Clearly, he doesn't have any friends because they would have told him he looked ridiculous. I love how he like he slouched down in that chair trying to have swag, but it really just looked like he just ate too much. Because <laughs> uh, I know that feeling. <laughs> I yeah, know that one more than I know did. the other one. I'm sure a lot of people knew that feeling that night. <sighs> I know, right? And just kept on going. But, but Jeff... The draft kind of wrapped up, and, and it's one of those we'll just have to see where everybody signs and, and how the, the free agent market goes. Are you are you kind of surprised from a Tennessee perspective uh, that Daniel Batuli hasn't signed yet? Uh, there I'm was extremely, a few things from Tennessee that surprised me. I'm um, extremely surprised. I know, I know it's the injuries. I know it's the knees. but I thought Batuli was going to actually get drafted up in the higher rounds, like three, four, five, somewhere in there. Um, I definitely saw Callaway going before Greg Jennings. Um, oh, Juwan, Juwan Jennings, yeah. It's like I, Greg played for the Packers. I, I, I didn't see that. I, I expected him to get drafted ahead. Yeah. Um, and then there, we we listed off a couple other people that we thought were going to get drafted also. Well, I, I mean, my Daryl Taylor did get drafted. Uh, Juwan got drafted, and Callaway got drafted. Those were the. And then I thought Batuli. So uh, Callaway and Batuli not getting drafted surprised me. It didn't surprise me that Dom Woods Anderson didn't get drafted. Okay, uh, he's yeah. a tight end. Tight end, and, yeah. And, and honestly, not a not a. This very was a good, tight end heavy draft too, right? And, but but he's just not proven his grit as a pass catcher. I mean, he he and he really hasn't proven himself as a blocker. He's just got a body type that lends itself to to learn. So, uh, like I said, he's hoping hoping to sign with the Seahawks and be the next. Michael Rivera, who signed with the Raiders a long time ago and and ended up having him a decent career there, uh, but we'll just have Luke Stalker done done the same thing. Got signed with the Bucks uh, several several years ago and just you know kind of journeyman his way through the NFL. But uh, but it just really shocked me that Batuli. I think Batuli is going to be a diamond in the rough that somebody gets a hold of. Uh, you know whether it's it's you know. The, the Steelers, the Cowboys, the Eagles. I, I mean, it seems like it's going to be one of those teams that kind of take a flare on him. Uh, I think, I think you know, to be able to play with Der- Derek Barnett again, got a guy that he kind of backed up there uh, the early part of his career, would be a nice landing spot for him. You know, I think uh, the Seahawks would be a nice landing spot for him. Heck, I would take him in Denver just because you have a complement of linebackers. If you, if you tell me you've got Bradley Chubb, Vaughn Miller, A.J. Johnson, and Daniel Batuli, and you just two in, two out, two in, two out, I'd take it all day because you don't give up anything. Exactly. And so I, I, I hope that he gets an opportunity. If not, if nothing else, just get invited to an OTA uh, to see what he can do because he's there. He's, he's one of those guys. He's one injury away. But I think everybody, whether they like to admit it or not, it's one injury. Yeah, away. I mean that, that's that's the nature of the beast. But his knees are pretty pretty banged up. I mean he's uh, he's probably a twenty two year old with about fifty two year old knees. 
Yeah, he's just had a lot of a lot of mileage there. But uh, but talking about Tennessee and and talking about replenishing uh, what they lost, of course, lost those guys. Uh, Nigel Warrior signs with the Ravens. I think that's a great fit. Um, lost Nigel Warrior, lost Daniel Batuli, Daryl Taylor, uh, lost Callaway, Juwan Jennings, uh, and, and then of course. Uh, uh, losing some other pieces there around around the football, Don Woods Anderson. Uh, but over the last few days, Tennessee has really peaked their head up above water and and started recruiting at a really high level. Have you noticed the last two days uh, they've picked up a five star out of Alabama? I and saw they, that, and one. they picked up a four star yesterday out of the state of Florida. That's that's huge. Everybody, both of these guys had Alabama offers, had Georgia offers, had LSU offers. To me, that that is the bigger sign. It's, and, and again, they're commitments. They're not signees. And I always take that with a grain of salt because of the inherent. You know, just because he commits to Tennessee, Florida's not going to stop talking to him. No. Just because he commits to Tennessee, Alabama's not going to stop talking to him. But the problem, the, the benefit is what you put on the field is what these players, these families are going to do. And if they felt good enough to commit, then it's about it's about managing your risk now. You have that commitment, that soft verbal, but but you've got it you've got to validate that. But I guess my question is, you know, you're coming off of a year where you you had a terrible start but had an extremely nice finish. Is Jeremy Pruitt is he being able to sell, you know, it's not how you start, it's how you finish and, and get some of these guys or is this really, you know, a Tennessee team that that Pruitt's saying, listen, if you want to come play, come to Tennessee. If you want to play at a high level, you want to get drafted, because after this past draft, Pruitt alone in his assistant and head coaching times has had like 56 drafted players. You know, it, this that, this is something you have to take into consideration when you're, when you're recruiting against the Alabamas, the Floridas, and even, maybe even the Georgias. That's a, that's a bargaining chip. That you don't see a lot. It is if you want to play, you come here. You can go to Alabama where there's three other five stars that you're going to sit behind. Maybe you might get to touch the ball. Maybe you might get to start a game. Maybe. You know, it might more happen in your senior year. But if you come here, you might get to see the ball your freshman year. You'll definitely be starting your sophomore year, your junior year. And I think that's a bargaining chip, and I think that's what some of these players are seeing. And 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 from the I starting bad, finishing strong, I think there is a dynamic for that in some sports. Unfortunately, I don't know about college football because if you start bad and lose six games in a row and finish strong with you know six wins in a row, you're still six and six. What did you really, you know? So I, I think what they need to do is they need to continue with what they finished with, try to maybe get three or four wins in the first half, and then finish really strong. Oh yeah, I, no, I don't think that. Th- I'm just saying that they're selling the they're they're not so much talking about the BYU game as much as they're selling the 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 Mississippi State, the Missouri, the Kentucky stop. You know, yes. all those 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 different pieces. But here's another thing. You know, if if you've watched Jeremy Pruitt at all. He is he is going to be bluntly honest with you. He's going to tell you the greatest the the best player is going to play, and he's proven that. I mean, oh, yeah. look at Eric Gray. Uh, look at some of these. You know, Bryce Thompson on the defensive backfield. Uh, a lot of these guys were young freshmen. Elante Taylor started as a freshman, true freshman on the corner. I mean, not ideal, 
for a team, but you know what? He worked the hardest, so he got the look. And uh, and I think the proof's in the pudding with that. He he can sell that. Like, if you come in and work hard, you can play now. Yep. Like, there are players, there are upperclassmen in this position, but if you come in and beat them out, you've beat them out. And, and, I, and we're going to do I, that. I think that's, uh, that's a huge selling point. And, and I think the pedigree of, of Jim Chaney and, and some of T. Martin's pedigree and then Jay Graham coming in the r- running back room, there's just a lot of specialists on this staff now. You know, Brian Niedermeyer's moving to linebacker, but, I mean, he's had success wherever he's been. Whatever position he's been at, he's been able to do well there and recruit at a really high level, which I think is his bread and butter there. But um, do you think I'm looking through orange glasses thinking that, that Pruitt's really kind of stepping up the, the recruiting game, or is is Tennessee really a a marketable thing right now based on the finish to 2019 and then based on the trajectory of the schedule that we got upcoming, playing Oklahoma out there, uh, you, you know, you've got, of course, the the traditionals, the Florida, Georgia's, Alabama's, but you, you have kind of put yourself back in that role of we're going to beat Kentucky Vandy, we're going to beat Missouri, we're going to beat South Carolina, because I've always said, and I know you can remember this, I've always said before we can talk about beating Florida, Georgia, and Alabama, we got to beat the Missouri, South Carolinas, and Vandy's. Yep, absolutely. And, and so we've we've put ourselves in that position. We did that a year ago, and so it's now time to start head hunting some some Georgias, some Alabamas, some Floridas, and I think you do that with great players, and you sell them on coming in here and doing it right now. I I don't. I don't think you are one hundred percent looking through orange glasses. I think oh they're there they're there yes. even if they're not on my eyes they're firmly on the noggin. What what they're doing this season is is they're playing to their strengths and they're they're working with other people's weaknesses. They know that it's getting out there that mindset of you're going to have four or five five stars that you're waiting behind at some of these other schools Alabama above all come here and play and. So they're 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 using that to their advantage, and I think that's going to help get them these these better players, these top notch players. You're you're winning games you're supposed to win. That's going to help. You know your schedule is already one of the toughest ones ever, and then you add an Oklahoma to it, which you know the SEC they always play a Big Twelve school. It to me that's that's going to add more to it, and I think it's it's all about what these players think that they're going to get out of the school. And the school then is going to benefit from it also. So I, I think that there's a lot of good going around. He just has to prove that he's not going to be the Butch Jones. Well, what what I love about Jeremy Pruitt is is he's not interested in <laughs> – he is interested in a process, but he wants that process to be pretty steep because he's not interested in losing a bunch of games. No. Uh, he came from, from three different programs that I think, I think cumulatively in his years averaged about 11 wins a year. Uh, he was at Georgia when they had a pretty good season. Actually went to Atlanta, I think. Um, he won a national championship with Florida State. Won a couple with Alabama. Uh, so he he's about winning. He's you know seven and five's a failure it. for him. Uh, eight and five's a failure for him. And 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 you know so he understands progress, but he's all about you know he doesn't want to go the eight wins, then nine wins, then ten wins route. He wants to go. Five wins, eight wins, eleven wins. Yep. And is that is that realistic? I don't know, but I'm I'm not going to argue with the uh, the motivation. So. I think they could do it. I think, but it, it's going to take good recruiting 
and really good coaching. I think absolutely. you got to develop these guys, and they've had a lot of turnover on this staff, so it's how they can gel quickly and how these young players can fit in. But, hey, we're going to take our last break of the day. Listen to these great sponsors. When we come back, start bench cut. Some funny start bench cut, and it's going to be fun. So don't miss it on the other side of the break. You're listening to The Grind. We'll be right back. Buying a home is one of the biggest financial decisions you will ever make, and it can be overwhelming. But Donna Cry at Mortgage Investors Group is committed to making your home buying experience a pleasure. Donna Cry is my personal home mortgage specialist. MIG is rated number one in residential mortgage lenders in Tennessee. Are you considering a new home? Then use who I trust, Donna Cry with Mortgage Investors Group in Maryville. Whether you're buying your first home or your fifth, Donna will help you put your home ownership plans into action. Call Donna at 865-984-9948 or go to DonnaCry.com. MIG is an equal housing lender. The Blunt Partnership is committed to leading the Blunt County business community through this coronavirus outbreak. We will continue to be a resource for all businesses, as well as supplying up-to-date information for our community. Please check out our website for updated information at www.bluntchamber.com or search for Blunt Chamber on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Are you looking for a place to relax and have fun after work or a place to fill the weekend fun? Check out the Party Pub in the heart of Maryville. They open at 7.30 a.m. and have daily drink specials. They have darts, karaoke, and billiards daily, as well as Tennessee football each and every Big Orange Saturday in the fall. So check out the Party Pub on Ellis Avenue in downtown Maryville, a place where they treat you like family, and it's always a good time. The City of Alcoa Public Works and Engineering Department is working to repair a water main leak at Hunt Road and Ramsey Street. Customers west of Alcoa Highway may experience a decrease in water pressure that could result in lower than normal water flow in your homes and businesses. A crew is currently working to restore the service. Customers may experience some discoloration in their water and should run faucets to check before washing clothes. Crews will begin flushing after the water leaks are repaired. If you need further details, call the after-hours number at 380-4921. This is Wayne Kaiser, host of Rocky Top Sports, sports radio show, The Grind. If you're looking for a way to catch The Grind not in its normal programming, if you can't make that six to seven hour, check it out online, thegrindonsports.com. It's the hub for everything The Grind. We've got Twitter feed, Facebook feed, and, of course, SoundCloud. If you miss a show, you don't have to miss it forever. Check it out online, thegrindonsports.com. That's thegrindonsports.com. This is Alex Melvin, CEO of Roll King. I want to personally assure you that Roll King and its associates are doing everything possible to provide the things you need for your family, farms, pets, and livestock. Our country has been through hard times before. We will get through this stronger than ever. God bless you and your family. From Roll King, America's farm and home store. We don't always promise to be perfect, but we promise to give you our honest opinion. This is sports radio from a fan's perspective. You're listening to The Grind on 100.9 FM, 850 AM, Rocky Top Sports.
welcome back inside the WKVL studios of Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser alongside Jeff McIntyre as we grind it out here on a Tuesday edition. Jeff, uh, a little start bench cut on the board here. We got about 12 minutes to the top of the hour, so I'm really uh, going to get uh, get to go through all the topics. Like I'm pretty stoked about that. Normally we've uh, we've kind of we jabbered along. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So start bench cut. Um, start with the draft because we're a little removed from it, but I still wanted to get your take on it. Biggest draft surprise. The Pats didn't take a quarterback. Steelers didn't take a quarterback or the Bengals didn't actually embarrass themselves after they took Joe Burrow. Start one, bench one, cut one. So I'm, I'm going to start the Steelers didn't take a quarterback because that surprised me, honestly, um, especially with what they put on the table last year. Um, I'm going to bench the Pats didn't take a quarterback again that surprises me but it it also really makes me think that they're going to solve their problem with free agency and then I'm going to cut the Bengals didn't embarrass themselves because with the number one pick and then what they did afterwards I mean they got T Higgins I like the local feel there they set themselves up pretty good yeah I think so and then they they did a good job I thought of of adding some big uglies uh, to yeah. hopefully protect Joe Burrow. Yeah, I, I, their draft was pretty good, so I, I cut that because they, they didn't embarrass themselves. And But the other two things surprises me more. So mine's a, mine's a little different. I'm going to start the Pats didn't take a quarterback. That really shocked me. Now, did it shock me that they didn't take them in the first four rounds? No. I thought it was going to be some some quarterback out of southwest Missouri State you know, that, that, you know, played about four games in his entire college career, you know, got a bum knee and he, he can't throw real far, and then he's going to go on to win six or seven Super Bowls. Right. But the fact that they didn't take anybody, and, and to my knowledge, I don't, I don't know that they've signed a quarterback in, in, in the I've not heard of anybody being a quarterback yet, but it, it'll come. So that, that shocked me probably the most. The Steelers not taking a quarterback didn't necessarily surprise me because, you know, again – there's still Andy Dalton. There's still Cam Newton. There's still at that point there was Jameis Winston still available. So I thought you know, you know Ben's coming off an injury, maybe a little fresher than uh, than he would have been if he had played all season. So he may feel like he's got some years left. And then again next year's draft, based on what, how they play, there's other quarterbacks that that could be available. So uh, I think that that didn't surprise me so much. And then the Bengals, I, I'm going to cut that again because when you have the number one pick. You've you've had every source known to man telling you who to take exactly, uh, and, and so you you kind of had the best of that, and then you get the first pick in most of the rest of the rounds. So again, you you've got the uh, you had from day one, you had all night to think about who you were going to take the next day, and then then kind of the same into the fourth round, and, and so. I didn't necessarily uh, take too much into that, but but uh, kind of interesting that we switched it up there just a little bit. The next one, I always do food in a movie, and I I don't know why I do that at six a.m. But hey, um, I like food and I like movies, so I feel like that that's a good one. Here's a a debate that's been out there in the last few weeks, actually, uh, that I just wanted to get settled right here on the grind. It's in in chicken wings. So you've got the guys who are like I was a drum only guy back in the day, uh, and then there's some guys that are that are like flats only, and flats being the the actual wing portion, mm-hmm. uh, and then there's people that are strictly boneless. What's your start bench cut on that? Because I think this is a very this tells a lot about personality. I start boneless, I really? bench drums, and I cut flats. I need some explanation. So for me. If it's, it's practicality, I can somewhat. That's what it is. If I'm out someplace 
and and I want to eat something and I'm looking for chicken, don't get me wrong, I love bone in wings. Don't get me wrong at all, I do, but it's just easier for me to eat boneless stuff. If the kids are with me, it's easier to give them boneless stuff because you can use utensils and oh, yeah. we're not sitting there constantly cleaning ourselves. You know, oh, oh I missed that because I was wiping the crap out of my fingernails. Right. And, you know, it's that's when it's good. That's when you know it's good. Yeah. So, and, and you went the practical route, which is totally fine, and, and I left it broad for that purpose. But when I'm going to get, like, real about some, some chicken wings, I got to have bone in. Like, it's it's one of those I don't care. I'll wear gloves. I'll go home and change afterwards. But give me <laughs> drums first, flat second, and it's a close second. Because, again, there's some people that argue there's more meat on a flat, and there may be, but you just don't know how many bones you're fighting in a drum. You know there's one. Right, you know, there's exactly. one. So that's I start the drum, I bench the flat, and then I, I cut the boneless. And not that I don't like them, I've got two little boys. So if we're a, it's a family affair, I got to go boneless because you know if one of them takes off in in you know in the hallway, you know I got to be able to go get them without the sticky fingers. Exactly, because uh, nobody likes you know you know raging Cajun Black. sauce in their hair. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so anyway, I I totally get that functional part of it, but I'll tell you. In my book, uh, I would if I'm going to buy chicken wings. Now, if I'm doing them at home, more likely they're probably going to be boneless. Yeah, because you know, you, again, you you don't have to worry about getting them done and whatever. You do minutes, and it's it's ready to rock. But I feel like out in a restaurant, it's it's hard pressed for me to get that out of my mind. Did these come out of a bag? Did they, you know that's what I'm true. saying? The boneless side of it. So anyway, that's why that's my cut. But. It's a it's so a little different there. We actually, I think the only thing we had the same was the bench. Yeah. Wow. I'm trying to get this thing back open. The facial recognition's good if you don't have to, if you don't have to look at a mic. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, all right. Start bench cut number three. Bigger head scratcher from the last dance episode three or four. Bigger head scratcher. MJ likes the f bomb. Rodman wasn't always weird or. MJ still hates the Pistons. So I'm going to start. Biggest head scratcher. one that The farthest one from your common thought. Rodman wasn't always weird. <laughs> right. That's my start because I, I just assumed he always was. Um, you thought he went to the draft with the chain connecting yeah. the lip and the nose? I yeah. just, that's just, I thought that's just how he always was. Um, I'm going to bench. MJ still hates the Pistons. And then I'm going to cut MJ likes the F-bomb because that doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> I think you got the order right, honestly. I, I went the same exact way. And and the reason I did that, it's not that, that you know, I think language is, is un, it's, it's a part of sports. Yes. I mean, the thing yes. is, is when people get frustrated for whatever reason, uh, they, they like to, to limit their letters to four, and a lot of those words start coming out. Yep. That that's legitimately exactly. just how that rolls out. So that did not surprise me. So yeah, that's my cut as well. Uh, the the Rodman not always being weird. I don't know that it surprised me that he wasn't always weird because I think sometimes fame. It's like the 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 uh, uh, the Boz kind of mm-hmm. thing. Brian Bosworth. Uh, sometimes fame can draw that out of you, and I think it did with Rodman. I guess the thing that shocked me was is that he was nearly backwards. When he came into the league, like he was almost introverted. Yes, uh, and now he is the way he is. So yeah, that's definitely the start. And, and then the 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 still hating the Pistons. I put it on the bench because here's the thing: um, Magic still hates the Celtics. 
uh, you know, MJ still hates the Pistons, and I'm pretty sure uh, – <laughs> As much as as uh, he probably doesn't want to admit it, uh, LeBron still hates the Cavs front office. Oh, uh, there's so, no doubt. So I, I think it's all those pieces put together. That that didn't surprise me at all because those are grudges that uh, you know it separated you from championships. I mean, I think LeBron would have or MJ. Oh, I know I'm gonna catch flack for that one, but I, MJ probably could have had two more championships had it not been for the Pistons. I agree. Straight up. I mean, he yeah. ran into him twice and and had to go home. So anyway, that that's kind of where I sit on that one. On the next one, Tom Hanks movies. And I may have not got the best three here, but I thought it was very much in the meat of, of a lot of his different genres. Tom Hanks movies, Start, Bench, Cut, Forrest Gump, Turner and Hooch, or The Green Mile. See, this one's tough because they're I had all Castaway in there. Great. I had Castaway in there, but it's just so, like, I mean, it's kind of, eh, it's it's abstract in in relation to the other two. Yeah. I also it, had Catch Me If You Can. That was another good see one. See, they're all, the, the, Tom Hanks Did you know, has sidebar, done a lot of really good movies. Sidebar, do you know Tom Hanks was not the first pick for Forrest Gump? I did know that. I can't remember who the other one was. So Travolta was ahead of him? That would have been terrible. That would have been atrocious. That would have been like... I don't know. I, I, I've got a lot of things I'll tell you off there about that, what that would have looked like. But but anyway, nonetheless, I digress. But Forrest Gump, Turner, and Hooch, the Green Mile. Start bench cut. I'm probably going to – got to start Forrest Gump. I've got to bench the Green Mile, and then I've got to cut Turner and Hooch. And, and it pains me to do that because Turner and Hooch was so good. So so I've got the same order. Same order. I also had uh, – what was it, Bachelor, The Bachelor or whatever, mm-hmm. his early movie. I like that one too. But uh, uh, big, I had that one on the See, list. Uh, uh, but Dragnet, Dragnet right. was a really good one. Turner and Hooch. The reason it got the cut, I like your order. I'm going to stick with it. Is is the slobber? Like I couldn't handle yeah. it. Like that was just. Ugh. But uh, Force Gumps just it covers so many bases. Like the whole uh, Watergate thing was hilarious. Uh, I watched or I read this whole article about things that you didn't know about Force Gump. Do you know all the jungle scenes, the Vietnam scenes, were done on a South Carolina golf course? That's hilarious, <laughs> That's right? That's funny. Uh, but I'm going to go the same order. I like Forrest Gump. Green Mile's a special movie. And, and then I'm going to cut Turner and Hooch. But uh, on the last, we got one minute to do this last start bench cut. Talk about trimming it tight. Good dude, bad team. And I thought this, I wanted to do a football, basketball, baseball thing. Good dude on a bad team. Mike Trout with the Angels, Witten with the Cowboys and the Raiders, and uh, Ken Griffey Jr. with the Mariners. Start bench cut. I'm gonna start Witten. I'm gonna bench Ken Griffey, and then I'm gonna cut Mike Trout. So you think Mike Trout's really not on a bad team? No, I think he is. I think the other two were just on worse teams, and they were much better players. That just that was just where they were. See, see, I kind of, uh, you, you know, I kind of, I don't know. I guess I had a different perspective, not necessarily a better. But I'm gonna also start Witten. Uh, just because I think he went from from a team that that hadn't got him a Super Bowl to a, another team that's not going to get no, him the he Super ain't Bowl. Get one. Uh, so I kind of give him a hard time on that one, but he's my start. Uh, my my bench is Mike Trout with the Angels because he he chose to sign back with him, and which I think that kind of you've you've sealed your fate there. You oh, know, yeah. you're you're stuck with him. And then Ken Griffey Jr. with the Mariners. That's kind of an asterisk because he did go to Cincinnati for a little while and then came back. So. I'm going to go start bench cut Witten, Trout, and then Griffey Jr. But, hey, we've run out of time. Don't miss top of the hour. Jason Swain, the Swain event. You've listened to The Grind. If you're on your way to work or on your way home, take care. Be safe. And, yes, grind on. We'll see you tomorrow. 
You don't want to miss it. Coach Tony Iruli in studio.